The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman. My first book, The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans, is out now. In this book, I've wanted to quiet all the noise that's out there and distill the science into five core principles. And using those principles, you can solve absolutely any parenting challenge, giving you the confidence to raise good humans. Order now and give yourself a little bit of ease. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture. I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. You guys, Mike, the situation is here. Can you believe? I can't believe. You can believe because this is you're on a press tour. You're talking. You're promoting your book. I can't believe because this is bringing me back. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Crazy. Yes. Turned 15 minutes of fame into 15 years. Good for you. Yeah. We were talking about your coffee order because my listeners know I love to know everything. So you walked into this tall cup of coffee, had to know how you drink it. Yeah. It's with almond milk. Yes. Almond milk, cold brew, venti. Yes. Usually I'm trying to fast. Usually I'm trying to diet. Gym tan, laundry is We're still always, there. always there. We're always there. Yeah. But that was a really good question you asked me when I first walked in. You were like, you used to be so crazy. You're, you yeah. know, this recovery. Now you're drinking almond milk? Yeah. Now you're yeah. Drinking, I'm like, yeah, listen, you know, it's the, it's the personality. It's an all or nothing. And now I'm this amazing father, this amazing employee for Viacom, you know, just trying to kill the game in every aspect because I have that obsessive personality, you know? But many, many years ago, and one of the reasons why we're here promoting the book, I was a, I was a maniac and I was, on the, I was on the opposite side of the spectrum. You know what else you were in, you know, getting into that nostalgic state of mind really brought me back. You were like conniving. You were like- Schemey. 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 You were schemey. I, uh, yeah. But it was so good for reality TV. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, you're not like that anymore, but you would talk to the girls about the boy. Like you could yeah. play both sides in a yeah. way where like you were so loved by your castmates. Yes. But then like we would get the tea behind the back yeah. and you would kind of spill it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know before the show, I actually, I was a drug dealer and that was my job. Yeah. You were a drug dealer before the show? Yeah. I was good at it too. But you weren't really doing drugs majorly until the show, I thought. No, no, no. Right before the show, I had just gotten out of rehab, which most people don't know. And I never really revealed it until, you know, just dropping this book recently. So casting didn't know either. No, no. I didn't really want to tell anybody. I mean, you're going on a show, you're partying, and you're you're going to tell the casting person, yeah, hey, I just got out of rehab. <laughs> They're going to be like, oh, my God, we we got a problem here. Right, right. They They wouldn't want that responsibility. Probably. They probably next. I mean, you do get a psyche valve when you do these shows, but I'm sure the red flags would have been. Yeah, they wouldn't have taken that. But it's it's smart that you were so young, but you kind of knew that sharing that would prevent you probably from going on the show. Probably. But the the first season, I I only drank. Wait, so you got out of rehab for what drug at the time? For pills, oxycodone, Xanax, Valium, 
I used to be like a pharmacy, you know, I used to sell prescriptions. How were you drugs. getting these drugs? I used to have friends in Brooklyn, Staten Island. We used to find people that had prescription pads. We'd figure out how to write them. And TID, next thing you know, a TID means three times a day. And you got 90 Roxasets and you got to have the, I guess, the balls to go into the, into the, the, the pharmacy and roll the dice which a number of times I, I did for months and months and months, but eventually there was a, a close call. Like where they would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Who are you? You know, for, for months, this, this particular caper was working. And then eventually I went into uh, a pharmacy, uh, myself and my cousin, which is in my book, and we dropped off a prescription for, you know, 90 oxycodone, 30 milligrams uh, a piece. So we had two prescriptions. I went next door to get a slice of pizza and within five minutes the whole parking lot was full of uh cops so what'd you do run away no 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 i couldn't because as, as soon as i saw the the flashing lights they walked in the pizza place because i guess it, you're in the complex you know the pizza place was right next to the pharmacy and they had my cus my cousin arrested outside over a cop car and they were looking for the the i guess the other assailant i guess or the other yeah you know part and, and it, which was me and I ended up escaping that day because I walked out and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I was just getting a slice of pizza. And my cousin who was in handcuffs, he was like, oh, my God, that's my cousin right there. He came with me. And I'm like, I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's talking about. But I ended up escaping the law that day. But we all might know I didn't escape the law for, right. for too long because I ended up going to prison many, many years later in 2018. Usually when people, I mean, the stories that we know for people that don't, didn't experience drug addiction, usually it's people that struggled at home. Like, what were you escaping from that you wanted to be on drugs at such a young age? I wasn't escaping anything. I was just always trying to push the envelopes of, of everything. I, I kind of liked the, the way that it made me feel when I took a Percocet. So I kind of... But kinda, isn't, it just like, isn't it just like numb you? I mean, it works different on on everyone. Everyone's yeah. bodies differently, but I I like the way that it felt. And uh, that first Percocet when I tried it when I was nineteen, I kind of, to be honest with you, fell in love with the opiates. Everybody has a drug of choice, I guess, to a certain extent when they're experimenting and growing up, which I did. And eventually, with the lack of knowledge of self, which I didn't have at the time, I had an obsessive personality. So once mm. I gave myself that drug, I wanted more and more and more and more. And I started to learn more about myself once I became famous and I had the millions of dollars. I always wanted more. I wanted more more money, more cars, more attention, yeah. more win, say, women, everything. In rehab, do they say that like an addictive personality is a thing? Yes. That's a thing. It's a thing, yeah. Okay. It's a thing, yeah. So that's what you would say is your... That's well, what yeah, led you down I, this road. I'm the, like you get into things and you're all in. Yeah. I'm never going to change that personality. I still got it. You know, but, but I mean, towards healthy things. Yes. Now. Well, eventually I figured it out through trial and error and obviously going through recovery four times. I did. I went to rehab four times. I adapted the principles of recovery, the 12 steps, the serenity prayer, the sponsor, the recovery network. I did it all because I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I mean, my best thinking had led me to rehab four times. And I'm like, I got to try something different. So that's when I was like, I was desperate. To be like, okay, I got to do something that work. Most people, they fail in in this area, you know, of an addiction. The the odds are against you. A lot of people, tragically, they they don't right. make it. They they're in jails, institution, and and death. And so I desperately put all hands on deck and used 
my obsessive personality to redirect what I was doing in life to everything positive for days at a time, weeks at a time, months at a time, years at a time, yeah. until eventually I turned around and had years of sobriety and I totally changed my entire life. And then the phone starts ringing, the people want to employ you, people want to be around you, how did you do it? And it was really, you know, one day at a time. So many docs came out and like, just more information about like oxycodone. And yeah. Stuff. Did you watch the? Does that I have. Like, yeah. Like, no. Painkiller. Hundred percent. Movie. Yeah. Or show. It's a wild ass drug. Oh, like they yeah. killed so many people. Do you look back like, how did I survive? hundred percent. Like, when I read my book, I can't even believe that I'm still sitting in this in this on the sofa right now talking to you. Yeah. Because the amount of things and and the stories in there could have taken my life many times. Right. I feel that God has spared my story so that I'm able to tell my story to help others. Are you a sponsor? How does that work when you are in recovery? Do you then become somebody's sponsor? Um, do you ever do that? I have not sponsored anybody yet. It's a little tricky when you're on TV and, and sponsor people. Uh, but Did people know you in rehab? Yeah, I mean, yeah. As soon as you walk in, it's just like, oh, there's the Jersey Shore guy. Oh my or gosh. there's the situation. Or can I take a photo? So wherever I went for many years, even when I was trying to seek recovery and trying to get better, there was always somebody snapping photos, always someone pointing the finger. But and at least there wasn't social media like as much, right? Like, Well, maybe. And, well, social media came out in 2009. So, and, you know, that's when Instagram came out and Twitter and things like that around 09 and 10. So my whole recovery, you know, has been under a microscope. So no matter where I go, I get a cup of coffee. I understand that there's probably going to be a photo taken most likely. Did that make it harder to get sober? If you think about it, maybe it made things better. Because mm. if you know, if you know there's a camera everywhere you go. Right. And if you make a bad decision or if you uh, do something that's not kosher, I guess, uh, it might be on TMZ or, right. or uh, you know, you know, you're not going to do it. So maybe it, it held me, held my feet to the fire. So to right. Speak. And Lauren was with you through how much of this? Like your high uh, school sweethearts. Yeah. No, we're college sweethearts. College. We went out in college for about four years and, and then I went to rehab. I got out of rehab and Lauren was, you know, she was following her dreams in, in the fashion world and she was doing her thing. And I didn't want her to be the girl that got away. And she kind of inspired me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go for my dreams, which is TV. Okay, that was your dream? My dream was always TV. Really? Yeah. My, what did my, you think you were going to do on TV? I thought I was going to be on like a Calvin Klein campaign, at least. My abs were just so ripped up. Like, <laughs> they were just so ripped up. You were up. like, these abs need yeah. to be photographed. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Um, and oddly enough, my first year in TV, I was offered a Calvin Klein campaign. And they offered me $50,000 and my team countered with 500000 So I, I, I mean, this is kind of funny, but I guess you guys can, can understand that we weren't able to find a happy medium there. Yeah. As, <laughs> as Calvin Klein was offering 50000 and my team is like, well, you know, you're talking to the situation. One of the biggest reality stars on the scene right now, our counter offer is 500000 In hindsight. Right. In hindsight. Yeah. Now that, you know, it's many years later, I'm sober. I, I should have taken it. Yeah, the sometimes you do things for the... The resume. Right. For the resume. it's a brand An that, accolade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have done it for the resume, for the accolade, but I got a really cool story behind me turning them down. 
<laughs> but I thought that my abs were so ripped up that I could at least <laughs> get the Calvin Klein campaign and follow in Marky Mark or oh, Mark he Wahlberg's. Was your idol. Yeah, he was. So I was trying to follow in his footsteps, which, like I said, I did get offered the campaign. So that was a dream. So how it do you? Was. How do you? Yeah, how do you how do you reconcile that? Yeah. To be honest with you, I was. You're listening, Calvin Klein. The abs are still abbing. Yes, yes. I was so wild and crazy that my first year or two in the business, I was the GQ Man of the Year in 2010, along with you know Drake and a few other people. I mean. If one endorsement was being presented, another one was coming right yeah. around the pike. So it was like, okay, I guess that didn't work out. You know, what about Lamborghini? Lamborghini offered to do a situation Lamborghini. And I was like, oh my God, I love Lamborghini. That's like, crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> let's, let's do this. And my team countered with, we would like two Lamborghinis. Okay, good team though. <laughs> I mean, you know they're putting you up high. But but that's but that's but like I said, obviously we weren't able to find the happy medium there. But those are the two that I you remember. Still think about. I still think about that. I should have took the situation Lamborghini, and I should have taken the Calvin Klein campaign. But again, at the time, I was really really high all the time for many many years straight with hundreds of pills in my pocket, and it's I'm lucky wild, to be here. Though Mike, because you say in your book that like. Your family didn't know. You were really good at hiding it. How good? Like, that's... I, I mean, they, they had an idea, but no one was able to catch me red-handed. The, the, the writing was on the wall. Same thing happened with, like, the networks and the production companies and, the, you know, everyone. The behavior was so erratic right. and unstable and wild. You can point it out and say, like, there's a problem there, you know? Or there's a situation, you know, pun intended. But... They, they, they weren't and no one was able to catch me red handed with the pills in the pocket or a lot of the times if people were about to frisk me, I caught you before you frisk me. And I'm like, yo, I'm about to call the lawyer. Are you sure you want to do that? You know what I'm saying? Wow. So like I was a, a brazen young kid doing all the wrong things. And then eventually that behavior, I'm not promoting it, eventually led me to prison. So, right. you know, I'm lucky to be here telling my story. Right. But it's 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 quite a tale. And today, to remind everybody, you're married, two kids, one on the way. Yes, eight years sober. Eight years sober. Yeah. So we're very happy for Yo, you. Yo, yes, yes. And um, and it shows. Yeah. You know how are you working out and like doing all the things that you were I doing know. at the time with so many? I can't. I wake up after a glass of wine and I can't move. You know, uh, I always think about that. Like I was always in really good shape, and I would pretty much build my body up for a few months. And then it would just get destroyed or whatever. And like youth kept me going. Nowadays, I, d I really don't put anything bad in my body. I, 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 I will admit I love diet soda. I love diet Coke. I had a feeling. I, love, I was like, really not even like a diet Coke. I, I know now these days, yeah. like my wife is like, you know, you're like, if I have a bad day, like, yeah. like a, a bad day, which is rare, I have a diet soda, maybe some Doritos or something. Maybe some snacks. Damn, maybe you, I'll, maybe I'll cheat. You on. wild. I, I, listen, <laughs> you oh, yo, a real man cheats on his diet, not his woman. I love that. And again, props to Lauren because I remember when we met her on on Jersey Shore. It was like, who is this sweet angel? Yes. Like right away, I angel. feel like she got into everybody's hearts. Yep. Everyone was seeing you guys on TV doing the wild shit that you do, and then in walks this like angelic, yeah, yeah. just like kind, pure-hearted human, and you're like. Lauren, what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> what are you doing in this house, though? Get out of there. Get out. Run. She didn't. She stuck no, around. Yeah, she was the college sweetheart. She's the angel. You know, she saved my life 
once. And I'm like I said, I've, I'm lucky to to be here right now talking to you. You know, there's a few times she saved my so life. So you said you were together in college. Yeah. Then she was going to her passion. You were going to your passion. And I tried to get back with her. And she's like, okay, you want to get back? You're rebuilding your life. Okay. What's happening? And I'm like, well, I just got presented with this offer from MTV to be on this reality show. She's like, what's the name of it? Well, it's untitled right now, but what do you think? And she's like, I'm not going to be that girl that is home while her boyfriend's on some reality show cheating on her and calling me on the phone. And she said no to me. And she was 100% right. Not that I would have done that, but relationships don't work on reality TV yeah. unless they they have a, like a stable foundation. Right. So I went to Jersey Shore and because at the time my girlfriend, she wouldn't get back with me. And she went to fashion school and, and did her thing. I truly cannot wait until I can drink truly again. Fill, you know, a cup with ice, pour in the ice cold hard seltzer and try their new party pack. I'm really jealous that I can't try the party pack. So please try it for me. Truly now has something for everyone in more than 30 unique flavors, including three lightly flavored mix packs, berry and the new party pack I was talking about. And the party pack has a flavor for everyone. So it's perfect for you and your friends. It has four fan favorite flavors, including the brand new raspberry. And it's got a little something for everyone. Bring it to wine night. Bring it to book club. Bring it to the gym. Bring it to work. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe not to the gym. With this new pack, there's nowhere you can't bring the party. Each flavor is super light, crazy refreshing, and made with real fruit juice. With only 5% ABV, 100 calories, and one gram of sugar in each can. That's each can. This isn't like, oh, per sip. So that's nothing. Uh, Truly is the perfect drink to keep you on track, you know, with all your nearest resolution, trying to be healthier. So this, you know, 100 calories, one gram of sugar. To find Truly Hard Seltzer near you, go to trulyhardseltzer.com slash locations. That's trulyhardseltzer.com slash locations. Truly Hard Seltzer. Keep it light. Truly Hard Seltzer Beverage Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Please drink. You guys, today, everything is more accessible. The boomers can make fun of us all they want, but we are getting things done quicker and more efficiently. That also has to do with our mental health. So I wanted to tell you guys about Cerebral. They're here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support that is 100% online. You can experience the all-new Cerebral way, which means an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist. You can get medication prescribed or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Listen, nowadays, leaving your house is just not always welcome. You know, it's like, oh, I have a doctor's appointment. Oh, I have to refill medication. Oh, I have to go pick up medication from the pharmacy. Oh, I have to go. You don't need to, uh, you know, if you need help coping with stress, relieving anxiety, managing depression, finding focus, improving relationships, cerebral can help. And like I said, everything is done online. And if you're looking for therapy, medication management, or both, they have you covered. You can get started right now on your path towards better mental health. Cerebral is giving my listeners 15% off their first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started at Cerebral.com slash podcast and then use my code NOTSKINNY to make 2024 
your best year yet. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast and use code not skinny. Oh my God, I was just so scared to um wash my quince cashmere top because I love it so much. You know, you're always like, if I wash this, will it ever be the same? But sometimes you got to do it, okay? And thank God it is good. But also, let's say it wasn't, it wouldn't be like a death sentence because at quince, you're getting more bang for your buck. Quince is my go-to for luxury essentials at affordable prices. They have a range of high-quality items at prices within reach. They have Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50, washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14-karat gold jewelry. And the best part of all of this is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. The way they do this, they partner directly with top factories and they cut the cost of the middleman and they pass on the savings to us. Thank you. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practice and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I got so much neat stuff from Quince, like the cashmere short sleeve top I was talking to you guys about and linen pants that I wore throughout the summer. I wore these white ones, the US Open. Absolutely love it. Also, uh, linen top, short sleeve, and long sleeve. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash not skinny for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash not skinny to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash not skinny. How did they approach you? How did they find you, MTV at the time? At the time, I was uh, a drug dealer and a stripper. Good combo, right? Right. Wait, did the stripper thing just come out now in your book or were you open about it before? I was not as open as I am with the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? I kind of really, I really wrote this book and was raw on the filter because I was like, my life has been a reality TV show for the past 15 years. If I write a book and people are going to be entertained and love it, I really got to tell them a story that they don't know. Right. So I really went into everything that everybody did Every know. detail. Yeah. Okay, so you were a drug dealer and a stripper. Yeah, drug dealer and a stripper. To make money, I'm assuming the stripping for to yes. get drugs too. No, I was, a, I, was a good, I was a pretty good drug dealer. I had money, and then I was also stripping because I, I kind of loved women, and, and I was in really amazing shape, and I just thought it was like a win-win situation. Like a strip club in San Island? No, it was uh, Mail Review. What is that? You don't know what Mail Review is? No, am I supposed to? Mail Review. Am I supposed to subscribe? Do you know what Mail No, you don't know what Mail Review is? Mail Review is where they do, right before the club opens up at, let's just say, 11, maybe from 8 to 11, they do the Mail Review, which is the guys are, are stripping and ser- they're serving drinks mm. for the girls. And usually they do that before the, the club opens. Like, yeah. uh, like in, in Jersey. clubs that- Club Abyss in Jersey. Club Abyss in Jersey. What? Yeah. So you were going out in Jersey. Uh-huh. So were you staying at the Jersey Shore? Like, did I, that speak to you before the yeah, show? Yeah, Jersey Shore was my spot. Oh, my, okay. My stopping grounds. And I remember because Lauren went down the, the road of fashion school or whatever, and she was following her dreams. She inspired me to, in, to go after my dreams. I'm like, I'm not going to be the only one, like, left behind here, you know? So as Lauren's doing fashion school and, and, and doing internships for Ferragamo and all these other things, I was like, okay, so I'm going to stop drug dealing, which I did, 
and I was just in really amazing shape. And it, it, it prompted me to send a number of half naked photos <laughs> to fitness and underwear agencies in New York City. Uh huh. Okay. Within about three days time, I got like yeses from a bunch of them. Now, these guys are probably like, you know, like JC Penny catalog type of caliber. But for me, I felt like I was on the right path. Right. And I didn't have to look over my shoulder anymore and drug dealing. Right. You can make money from it. Ex exactly. So as I was going to go seize in New York City for about three months, I bumped into a flyer that said the hottest Guidos and Guidettes in the tri-state area go to Harris and Atlantic City for a TV show. And I was like, that's me. Were you calling yourself a Guido at the time? I wasn't because technically a Guido is a, a derogatory right. slang towards right. an Italian. But so were you using it towards other people? Did I you know, consider no. yourself one? No, no. I just thought like at the time that when, when people were saying Guidos and Guidettes, that they weren't Italian. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Maybe it was an Irish guy that was running the, the flyer or yeah. something. You so know? it didn't offend you. It, it didn't offend, it didn't me. offend no, you. No, no. So then you go to Harris. I go, I go to oh Harris. Oh my God. What would die to be at Harris that day and see a convention? Yes. It was it, a convention was a, of all Jersey Shore type. It was the hottest Guidos and Guidettes <laughs> in the tri-state area. Every Everybody was hot. Everybody was Whoa. good looking. Everybody tan. was tan, naked, greased up, wow, probably on wow. GHB fist pumping. Do you remember seeing your castmates that eventually were chosen that day? Not on that day, but I used to hang out with Sammy. Oh, so uh, you knew Sammy I before. I knew Sammy before the show, and I also knew Angelina before the show. You did. I did know them, too, before the show. Good terms, like friendly, because you turned on Angelina <laughs> eventually. <laughs> no, there was no loyalty there. Okay, Sam, she used to hang out with the same people that I did, like a crew. So we were in the same crew. Really? Right. But it was almost like high and by. You know mm. what I mean? But we went out together all the time. That's crazy. Okay. Now, Angelina, on the other hand. Angelina. On the other hand, technically, before the show, we kind of dated a few times. Kind of a few times. Which they do reveal on this new season of Jersey Shore Family Vacation, which kind of just comes out because I have the book and I'm kind of like full disclosure. And they kind of find out that we kind of hooked up a couple times before the show. How did you keep it a secret all these years? I don't know. I really didn't like her when it. The, but when the how show didn't first she? Started. How didn't she? When the show first started, we didn't want the casting producers to know that we either knew each other or kind of dated. You thought that so would hurt. Thought that would hurt the chances of oh. being on a show Damn. that was like anonymous Single. or something. You know? uh, like oh, the, all these people in the house and everybody doesn't know each other. Uh, meanwhile, like I know Angelina, I know Sam, like I knew a few people. Oh, yeah. smart. Damn. Yeah. You guys thought of everything. Okay, so you go to this convention. Do you think, because you had confidence, right? You're like, yeah. I'm ripped. I'm in for this. Yeah. Did you think that you had a chance? I definitely thought I was a chance. My my uh, my abs were so ripped up. They look like <laughs> they look like implants. They did. They there were like, eight of that? Yeah. Like how many? Yeah, it was eight? A, I, I just had an eight pack and I could eight usually pack. just eat whatever I want. And like, it was just... I attributed to good genetics. Yeah. But I also worked out hard as well. Yeah. But I was the, the first one picked. First really? one casted for the pilot in 2008. There were two others besides myself casted for the pilot. It was greenlit because VH1 had it first. And then once, because Viacom owns VH1 and MTV, eventually MTV took it from 
VH1, and then they grabbed some of the other cast, maybe from other shows or where you know everyone they did some more castings. And it ended up being the cast that we know. Yeah, it ended up today. being the casting that you know: Snooki, Jay Wow, DJ Polly D, Ronnie, Sammy, the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet, Angelina. And eventually Dina comes in a season a season or two later. And we learn what ETL means. Yes. Then gym tanning laundry. Yes. The gym thing. All of you were really going to the gym that much. A hundred percent. Yeah. And the laundry thing. How much were you doing laundry? I mean, technically, you know, if you don't go to the gym, you're not jacked. If you don't go if you don't go tanning, you're pale. And if you don't do your laundry, you don't have anything to wear. So gym tan laundry is a way of life. It still is to this day. Do you think you, did you make it up? It was made up by myself and by Polly in the living room. I have like court, do- I have like these court documents. <laughs> Wait, did you copy right I, I, I tried to. A trademark. Trade, yeah, I tried yeah. to trademark it. And then Viacom came in and was like, wait a second, not so fast. Uh, um, because I was an employee of the t- at the time, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Right. When when the judgment came down, where they're like, listen, it was originated by you and Polly in the living room. Yeah. Jim tanning laundry. But it was done under the watch of your M- MTV but employee. Do so they I, want it? Like, do they? I, I was allowed to use it. Oh, you're allowed to use it, but not trademark at, it. At the you can trademark it, and you're allowed to allowed to use it. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it, it like I believe that they owned it at the time. Maybe not anymore. But do you yeah. did you trademark the situation? I did. Yes. So it, that's yours. Yeah, that was done beforehand because that was done around the casting time. Oh, you did it. That you did went through the process then. Yeah, because when I came in for the first casting at MTV, and I told them my nickname was the situation. The producer was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, do you have that trademarked? And as a young kid, you're like, yeah, I have a trademark. But actually, you don't have a trademark. Once I got out of the room, I'm yeah. like, can we get a lawyer? I need to trademark something. So you did it. Yeah, I trademarked, oh my God. I, I trademarked it around the casting time. So it was before I went on the Smart. show. Smart. Yeah. Because you would have been in the same pickle with yes. the situation if yes. you didn't do it. Exactly. And did you add it officially to your name in any other capacity? It's not on my birth certificate okay. yet, yet. Yeah. <laughs> Is it on driver's license? No, but it was on my court documents, which I thought was very funny by the government, which was funny. That is funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. Very that is wild. Yeah. You also came up with, I think, DTF. Yes. Yes. Which we all use. Yes. It's not, we all use down to fuck. Smushing. That that was made up on the show, Smushing. I don't know if Snooki made that up. I think Snooki made Smushing up. That's like hooking um, up. Yeah. Well, more than hooking up. Oh, that's yeah. like having sex. Yeah. All right. Smushing. Yeah. And grenade was you. Most likely. <laughs> yeah. Most likely. I, I I reluctantly have to say most likely yes because that listen today I, that wouldn't it that definitely wouldn't, wouldn't fly, it definitely yeah. wouldn't fly today but it was just a thing in the culture at the time that was just a thing yeah and, and everybody was saying it like girls and guys yeah right you know everybody was doing it and it's just we were very open very raw very. Uh, authentic every single one of the cast that's why it was super successful and still to this day so to this day speaking of that like would the show be able to work today like it was then oh god i mean it would definitely make a big splash right i mean to the point where it's like it's what they call like a disruptor like a show that like disrupts things yeah like to the point where it makes changes so if our show which started in 2009 which was a cultural phenomenon record ratings if it came out in 2024 
it could, like I said, it would definitely be a disruptor. Yeah. A, a game changer. Like it would definitely would cause I mean, it was a change. game changer then. Like everyone knew you. Yeah. You became mega celebs. Yeah. Leo DiCaprio comes up to you at a club. GTL all day. And he said that to you. Yeah. Were you shocked? Or were you so like you're jaded I, You're like riding the wave, but at the same time, Leo's like Leo's like the actor of actors. Like right. He's, he's like he's Leo. He's the dude. You're you know like, you're I mean? watching? You're like, he's the dude. Every like he's been the dude for like right. Decades. He has been the dude. Yeah. Same with the rock. Like they're like they've been the dude for a while. But when they said it, we were just like, yo, like, damn, like it's it was surreal for sure. You know, what I mean, Obama mentioned me on the I think it's the inauguration address that the situation Snooky and Wow are exempt from the tanning tax. <laughs> that was an address to the country. Oh, that's wild. You know what I'm saying? That's wild. Yeah. That's legendary that's right legendary. there. And again, t- to have your start as uh, a reality TV star and have the president mention you, right. Leo, The Rock. I was, like I said, GQ Man of the Year in 2010. All these things, like we were definitely making big waves, like making changes in entertainment because nobody wanted to even consider a reality star anybody. Like they didn't even want to be around reality stars, like, you know, like at an award show or anywhere. They just like, oh, you're a reality star. Like, oh, God. But even now and also you guys were special because there weren't a 100 reality shows. Yeah. You know, it was like the real world. Like there were reality shows, but. Now it, we're so inundated with so many of yes. them that it, doubtful yes. that Leo is like, hey, yes, facts, you know, facts. <laughs> one but, of yeah. the housewives. Okay, guys, so, you know, we take care of ourselves and our health and take our vitamins and everything. But what about our kids? And meanwhile, they're the ones in cesspools of germs and, you know, putting fingers in their mouths and touching everything. So they really need their vitamins. Okay, and the typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They have tons of sugar, tons of unhealthy chemicals and other gummy junk. The kids shouldn't have. That's why Haya was created. This is a pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk. But that doesn't mean it doesn't taste great because it tastes great and kids love it. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets and provides the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. It's pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, and it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others. It's also non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine, obviously. So we got a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to Haya Health dot com slash not skinny. The deal is not available on their regular website. So you have to go to H I Y A health H E A L T H dot com slash not skinny and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So I'm the queen of probiotics and you know, you guys know my gut has been just, just cray cray in the hay hay and seed probiotics have helped me so much. And I just know that I'm feeding my stomach what it needs with seeds, DS01 daily symbiotic. And even now, literally a story from today, 
my younger sister isn't feeling so well. So she started antibiotics and she was like, can I have a seven seed? And I was like, why do you need seven seed? She's like, I need one for every day. I'm taking the antibiotics. So don't be like my sister. You should take probiotics every day, not just when you take antibiotics, but the fact that she asked for seed because that's just the best one out there. Um, what seed does, it impacts, reinforces helps and supports your digestion and your gut barrier. And it really can promote regularity. And that can all lead to smoother, clearer, and more glowing skin. Honestly, everything starts in the gut. That's a fact. So you really want to make sure you're taking a good probiotic. And seed is the best. It's a broad spectrum probiotic and prebiotic formulated with 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains for whole body benefits. It's been tested rigorously for 14 classes of allergens. Listen to your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash skinny and use code 25skinny to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash skinny. Code is 25 skinny. You talk a lot about money in the book and about how the money made you, you know. It was gasoline on the fire. I mean, you know, when you read the book that I was already a crazy kid, Mm -hmm. you know. And then once you gave me the millions. But millions, you were making millions. Oh, oh. But not from the get. No, from the get. From the season. From the jump. Yeah. Season one. Yeah. We were making a couple thousand. And again, I have the records. I have the receipts. I can go pull up the contract right now. It was a couple thousand bucks. Plus, we made alcohol money from the the shore store. You know what I'm saying? Which was and like they a, was paid like, for your outings. I'm assuming now when you went to the club. The hundred and twenty five dollars a week that we made from the shore store helped pay for the shots. Wow. At the club. Things are different now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But back then, at the first season. So when did the money start rolling in? Um, second like season. Second season already they realized like. Second season. Everyone negotiated. Second season, everything was renegotiated. They handed us contracts and said like, sign here on the dotted line. And I looked at the contract and it was the same as the first season. And I was like, oh, damn. I'm like, I'm like no. I, I kind of knew what we had filmed in season one, the show was just was like a shooting star at the time. Yeah. Every talk show at night we were on. And then I was just like, what happens if we don't sign? And they're like, well, we're going to replace you. And I, at the time, which is like a make or break moment, I was like, okay, good luck. And I walked out. And then a couple of weeks later, you got like a million dollar raise. Did you have a lawyer at the time, an agent, a manager? I, I, I did. I did. But we were called to to a meeting like, oh, my God, congratulations, you got season two or whatever. No one thought that they were going to hand us contracts. And once we got the contracts, we were like, oh, damn, like everybody had like deer in headlights. Like everybody's looking at each other. Like, what do we do here? And I knew, I don't know, must have been maybe there was an angel on my shoulder. Intuition that had told me that we had filmed a groundbreaking cultural phenomenon. And, and in that moment, I walked out of the room. And about a month later, we got a million dollar raise. That's wild. Yeah. Were you all making the same? Everybody made different, but there was like a couple contracts that were mirrored. It's crazy, you guys, because this is an an important lesson, too, for anybody anywhere. Know your worth. Know your worth. Nobody's going to hand you anything if you don't ask for it. Yeah. You know? 
It's just, they rather yeah. pay less, you know, uh, for the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, don't blame them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, They'll try. Yeah. If they can't get it. It's how it is. Yeah. yeah. It's don't how it them. is. Yeah. Would you let your kids ever watch the show? I would probably wait till they are like. Like way older. Like hopefully 18, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll try to watch it when they're 16. Every generation, it's like clockwork. They all watch it. All the, it's I, true. All, all the high school kids, they watch it. The next generation of high school kids watch it. I think who was it. on Charlie D'Amelio. You know Charlie D'Amelio, the yeah. TikToker? Yeah. She's super young. She's like yeah. 20. She was on my show. And I remember, I don't even think one of the family vacations was on at the time. But I was like, what's your favorite show? Do you watch Bravity? She's like, you know what? Who's your boyfriend? Landon Barker. She's like, we're so into Jersey Shore right now. Yeah. And it's just wild how yeah. these things in culture. Yeah, yeah. The, the generations, like when they're in high school, they watch it. And then four years later, another generation watches it. And you're like, oh, my God. It's like it's like almost like timeless. I don't want to say timeless train wreck, but it kind of it's kind of just kids just being really authentic. We're living, working and uh, partying. I feel so grateful that I was like watching it in real time. Oh, you know? yeah. I'm, I'm 35. I was like watching it as it was. Ha yeah. I was in that culture, fuckers. Yeah. So you're watching it now. I lived it, okay? <laughs> we lived it with them. So I know you did a lot of the shit on the show you're not proud of and you're a different man today. Yes. Any biggest regrets from the show that you I mean, think about? I mean, there's always going to be. I mean, you have to think about it. Do you really have regrets if you turn your L's into lessons? Right? If you use everything. Are the L's lost? What are the L's? An L would be a loss. Oh, okay. You turn L, I was like yeah. a loser. <laughs> a but, loss. But if you, because if you watch any of those movies about time travel and you go back and you change something, mm. then you kind of change the future. And right now I am a, an amazing father of two babies with one on the way. I have eight years of sobriety. I was just nominated for multiple People's Choice Awards. Like I'm back at the top of my field, like living my best life and teaching right. others to do the same. Would I change anything? Right. It's also like a game of Jenga. Yeah. It's like if you take out one piece, yeah. will it all yeah. end up the same? Exactly. Yeah. But again, I did slam my head into a cement wall in Italy, which definitely hurt a lot, <laughs> which caused me to get a sprained neck and a concussion. That wasn't the best decision at yeah. the time. Also, you know, again, not filing my taxes in 2011, which was a decision that had caused, or actually it was like 2010, but which had caused to, to me to eventually go to prison many, many years later. That decision, right, of me on my couch. That moment that you describe in, in the book. Oh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like, I told my husband about it and I was like, you have to listen to ha the moment. I'm like chilling on Christmas chilling. Eve. On Christmas Eve. You know what we'll I mean? We'll get them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like living my best life. I just made five million bucks. I'm like, you know, Obama just mentioned me. I got a Ferrari outside. My brother's like my manager. He's like, you just made five million bucks. You're going to have to file. And I was like, damn. And then he's like, but, you know, maybe you, you'll get them next year. And then I was just like, we'll get them next year. But. Because you want to know why? Because the year before, I didn't have to file because I didn't make any money. I was a drug dealer. You know what I'm saying? You, I, on the you know you what I'm anything. saying? So you think, you think, oh wow, no one's gonna notice. No one, you know, you know that meme. No one's gonna notice. <laughs> no, no one's, one's gonna, gonna know. Notice. No one's gonna know. No, yeah, yeah. They're gonna know. They're gonna know. Yeah. And eventually, like clockwork, after three years, like clockwork, they came calling. They came knocking. The next year, though, did you pay or were you every year? saying that same thing 
I think for those three years of making all those millions, it wasn't done correctly. Just let's just say that. Just wasn't. Do you like, blame your brother at all? Not at all, because if you think about, he was your ma- manager. He was his manager, but he was tr- at the same time trying to fight for my life. I was a kid that was running around. You know, when we'd land for a city for an appearance, and and, and at the airport, they'd be like, "Where'd Mike go?" Like, how do you lose one of the most famous people in the country? Like, he he just ran away. Like, I would go and cop drugs from the drug dealer when I would land in a specific city. And they'd be like, oh, my God, how do you lose the situation? He's got bright blue head, Ed Hardy pants on. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah, he's and, a, and, a, and, and like rosary beads in a backwards cap. How does that happen? I was just a really wild kid. But yeah, no, the taxes were not done properly and getting back to having checks and balances and being mature. If you have checks and balances, you have to make sure to check and balance. If you're the boss, mm-hmm. those your name is on the account no matter what. If I wasn't guilty, the judge wouldn't have been able to send me to prison. But at the end of the day, the evidence that they had was like, okay, your name's on the account and it wasn't done properly. Yeah. You're going to prison for eight months. So you didn't have anything like, who do I blame for this? No, no. Because you took accountability. all All the work that I've done on myself with, you know, therapy, anger management and recovery led me to having the utmost of accountability in every aspect of your life. Your life is a product of your decisions. If you are upset at any particular time about anything, go to the mirror and ask the person in the mirror to make some changes. Yeah. How were the castmates at that time? Who who would you say was most supportive of you? At what particular time? Like when you were going through when the I was recovering with... It? When with prison and everything. Oh, they all were. They all rallied around. Yeah. Me. They all did. They all visited me in prison. They they saw that I was doing the right thing. They were like, oh, Mike's turning over a new leaf. Like, mm. he really is doing the right thing. He's three years sober, speaking at high schools, speaking at colleges, working on the side at rehabs, helping people in need. And like, when you see somebody doing the right thing and walking it the way that they talk it, it's like inspiring. And I thought my friends like rallied around me and I'm forever grateful for their support for sure. Who are you closest with from the cast? I am closest with all of them, to be honest with you. We have this like, I'm I'm not going to say secret group chat, but we have this group chat that we speak every day about everything, everything from like politics to And everyone's on it? Well, not everyone. Most, most, of the, mostly, most. It's not on the group chat. <laughs> there, there are multiple group chats. There is one with everyone. You know, S- S- Sam's in it. Angelina's in it. It's like a whole cast thing. I'm sure maybe you know maybe Ronnie will get back in it shortly. But then there's an MVP one, Mike, Vinny, and Polly. Oh, love that. Yes, there's a yeah. Mike, Vinny, and Polly. And that's not the secret one. No. Oh. No. Then there's the other one, which is like. Vinny, Wow, Polly, Snooky, Tina, myself. I think that's it. Who's missing? Oh, yeah, so it's, it's the OGs. Yes, yes. It's pretty much the OGs, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing that you guys stayed so close for all these years. Polly, Vinny, uh, Ronnie, they were best men at my wedding. You know, we really are that close. And you're saying you hope Ronnie comes back because right now he's not well, really the, talking to you guys? Yeah, th- this season, y'all see. This is his season. Yeah. Oh, what did you think of his whole relationship with Jen? Oh, that that was wild. It was wild. Yeah, that was like you were worried for him. Yeah, you know you you saw on TMZ like she was like running him over or something, and uh, 
It was a lot of crazy runs. Yeah, it was probably some of the the craziest stuff that you'll see. Yeah. What about when he dated Malika? Oh, I don't know too much about you that. Don't? I, I heard. I that. like that. I, I, I watched that I, show. What was that show? Like celebrity? Uh, which they were on some it? dating show together. What was it called? Famous. Like, yes. Single. They were had a moment. It was cute. Yes, that's what it was. It was a moment. I don't know too much about it. Mm -hmm. I know it was a quick moment, but then I knew that with him and Jen, they were just so. I mean, I'm gonna toxic just toxic is the word. Toxic is the word. Calling a spade a spade. They were super toxic. The TMZ headlines were legendary savage. Like, and were you guys rallying around him through that? Or we would try to talk to him, but he wasn't listening. He wasn't. He wasn't yeah, there. he was shutting he you wasn't, out. He wasn't there. I mean, he's listening now, though. He is. Yeah. And you're saying we have a lot to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, you guys have a lot to look forward to for February 8th. So when you talk about money in the book and stuff, you talk about how you let it kind of rule your life for a moment, but also, which is a lesson to everybody, and I hope that most people know it now, that money isn't everything. Oh, yes, yes, and, yes. you know, it doesn't yes. mean that you're happy. Like you said, some oh, of my yes. hardest times is when I had, Oh yes, when yes. I got all this money. Yeah, I had an epiphany uh, in 2011. I was a multimillionaire. I had you know, many, like two Ferraris, Lamborghini, a Porsche, and an M5 in my driveway, like, you know, on one of the biggest TV shows in the country. I was roasting the Donald Trump at the time on Comedy Central, not my not my finest appearance that day, because I was super high, and they handed me the jokes, and I didn't even look at it. I was just like, I was just so high on myself and, and just on drugs. I took the the material and usually, you know, you read it, right. you, you, you practice it, tone, delivery, like, you know, in order to be successful because you're going to be in front of millions of people in probably an hour or two. But I just didn't you care. You winged it? I just didn't. I winged it. I didn't care. I winged it. They were paying me six figures to show up. I was flown out on a Trump private jet. And I remember like in the Trump uh, towers the night after the roast, which the first time I've gotten some booze in my career at the time, which is a, a, a learned experience, I guess, a learning experience. Everyone loved me afterwards. Uh, Trump, give me hugs. Like, you know, you did a great job. Don't worry about it. You know, I just felt empty, not because of like the booze, not at all. I just felt empty because like I just had so many people pulling me in so many different directions. And I realized I'm like, I, I'm a multimillionaire. Like I'm on the biggest TV show in the country and I'm not happy. What, what the hell's happening right now? And then I, I thought to myself, when was the last time that I was really happy? And the last time that I was happy was in college, dating the love of my life and having the love of a good woman. And that's when I made the decision to seek out what was important in life. And I wouldn't bunk into my soulmate for a few years, but that was the, the sentiment at the time. I did call Lauren. I did call Lauren in Trump Towers. When you had that epiphany. And when I had that epiphany and I tried to woo her back, I, you know, please leave the, your man that you're with right now. Almost like the old school Drake. What was that song where he's trying to, his old school song, uh, Marvin's Room, where he's trying to like woo back the ex-girlfriend or whatever it is. Y'all research it after this. You'll laugh. Anyway, she didn't, she didn't take the bait. She picked up the phone. She realized like what it was try to talk me off the ledge and then that was it and then she hung up and changed her number changed her number she changed her number because she she was almost engaged at the time wow and, and her man was like yo like you better change your number you know so how did you end up getting her back if she many, was almost engaged many years later uh, not many years later about two years later i heard that she went to a kickboxing gym 
at 8 p.m. and on a on a Tuesday night and the Wednesday night I went to the same kickboxing same time and she happened to be there we locked eyes and it was like we never lost time she was having issues at the time with whoever she was with she left him and then she's been with me ever since wow yeah well, thank God for that. Yeah, she she saved my life. And it looks like even though you went through so much and with the show and the money and the drugs and the fame, you still had her like in your heart. Mm-hmm. Like yep. you hadn't completely moved on from 100%. From that. 100%. And look at you now. Yes, look yes. Look at you now. I also know that her brother is passing. Yeah, that was a very tough. From an overdose? Yes, in 2013. Was that a turning point for you? At the time, I was deep in addiction, and I was in Spain. I had just been subpoenaed by the U.S. government that they were having an investigation on me, and it was just the worst time of my life. Like I, I, I had, I went to the airport, and I was going to Spain, and there was eight IRS mm. agents with the windbreakers at the- my at my gate. There's like seven of them. Like I'm like some, you know. Fugitive. Like I'm John Wayne, like yeah. you know what I mean, like something crazy, and that was like the moment I was like, wow, like this is a this is a really big problem, and they handed the the grand jury, you know, subpoenas that you're being investigated or whoever it was, and then when I got to Spain a, a couple of days later, I get the phone call that Lauren's brother had passed, and I was the last one to speak to him. You were friends. Yes, I was very close with Lauren's family. Did you know what he was going through? He was in a sober house at the time. And he was recovering from opiates or and or more so could be heroin, heroin as well. And Lauren called me and she's like, I can't get a hold of my brother. He looks up to you. I'm sure if you call, he'll pick up. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm in Spain. I'm kind of going through my own issues. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. I'm going to I'm going to make the phone call. So I call. He picks up and I'm like, Chris, man, you're what are you doing, man? Your family's looking for you. Please call them. Let them know you're okay. And that's it. He's like, all right, no problem, Mike. He hung up the phone with me, called his family. I'm okay. And then hung up with them. And the next morning, he didn't wake up. So it was a really, really tough moment. And and that's why a lot of the work I do in recovery, the speaking engagements in colleges and high schools, I do, you know, honor his memory. What do you say to these college and high school students about drugs like don't do with them never try anything do, like how do you know what, uh, what's uh, the message you, the message is you really tell your story you're just honest mm. and if they're able to take something from your story and they're able to learn from some of your lessons mm-hmm. and how you recovered and a lot of the times that's that's how it's done and 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 how i did it was through the principles of recovery the 12 steps mm. the serenity prayer having a sponsor and things like that, the one day at a time, never giving up on yourself, the comeback is greater than the setback, and things like that. So, Wow. You guys, Mike's new memoir, Reality Check, making the best out of the situation. Take a moment. How I Overcame Addiction, Loss, and Prison is out. Everybody should read it. It is just so much info, so much tea that you didn't know about. You really lay everything out there. Like, no secrets are are left. It's, you know, if you pick up this book, I, I guarantee you'll finish it in either one sitting, or one day, two days. It's a book you can't put down. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to be shocked, inspired. But at the same time, I, this book's also going to save 
you know, millions of lives because it's getting out everywhere. And I think on January 2nd, my team is here. We're we're already discussing making it into a screenplay in a movie right now. So. Wow. Well, the book's only been out for a couple of weeks. So everybody's loving it. Friends, family, peers, people in the industry. So we're, we're going to push this into a movie and probably a documentary as well. Love and can't wait. And thank God you wrote it. I know, right? I know. Yeah, it took about two years to write it. It took two years. I was going to ask you how long it took. It took about two years to yeah. write it, but also eight years to be even in the position to write. I'm eight years sober. So right. if I wasn't sober and doing the right things, I wouldn't be in the position to to write a uh, You think a, like at the five-year mark, you wouldn't have been able to... You needed all that time. I wanted to write something around the five five or six-year mark, and I started to approach people, and I've been, I was asking my team around, I, I'm not, around six years, I asked, like, yo, we should write a book. And I, I'll be honest with you, I think some of the big publishers, they took the phone calls, but I think they passed. To be honest with you, y'all shouldn't have passed. Those are the best stories, though. Y'all shouldn't have passed on that. Look at me now. Y'all shouldn't have passed. Look at me now. Yeah, y'all shouldn't have passed on that because everybody's talking about it now. They're going to make it into a movie. It's been all over the press for weeks now. It's going to be a bestseller. Yes. And look at me now. And look at you now. Mm -hmm. Well, may you just keep on rising up, (laughs) Mike, the situation. How are the abs doing? Oh, the abs are are, are one of my goals for 2024, (laughs) along with the bestseller book and I mean, movie and docu. But yes, that is my next. My next thing is reveal the situation in 2024, movie docu, and I want to do some sober houses and help some people. Amazing. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Amazing interview. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat. Follow me on Instagram at Not Skinny But Not Fat. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Rate the podcast that you love so much on Apple Podcasts and write a little review. If you tell me you did, I'll give you a big virtual smoocheroo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.